Welcome to the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith, along with my co-host, Adam Stellman. And today on this episode, we'll be discussing our week 10 game preview against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Munich, Germany. Adam, Let's Talk Seahawks. Can't wait. It's been uh, it's been an exciting uh, it's been an exciting season, uh, but especially these last four weeks. I mean, we are just rolling right along. Still, a lot of doubters out there in the in the uh, in the sports world, uh, which I think is evidenced by uh, the fact that we're underdogs again this week. But uh, look, if we play like we did last week, I mean, even even with Tampa Bay coming off of a win, it's going to be pretty hard for them to to beat us. Yeah, no, I agree. The trajectory of the two teams, you have the Seahawks on the rise, four straight victories. You have Tampa Bay not quite cutting the mustard, if you ask me. But who knows, with the amount of veterans they have on their team and just the experience, they could do anything. So we'll have to see how the season shakes out for both teams. For me this week, I kind of went back and reviewed the game film. And I have to say, I talked about it in our reaction episode but the tackling did not look solid in this last game. Yeah, a little bit of a, a, a reversion to earlier this season, especially with uh, with the uh, in t- especially the interior linebackers. Um, but a lot of hand tackling last week against Arizona, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk a, lot, a little bit more about going forward. But uh, definitely not what you'd like to see uh, after having three straight weeks of what's been pretty good tackling by the team. No, yeah, exactly. A lot of guys are going out there and just trying to arm tackle. They weren't getting good fundamental tackling technique down, and it cost us on a few plays. A couple drives were extended due to extra yards gained after contact. I do have to say congratulations to former Seahawk Sidney Jones. Looks like he's got signed by the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, good. I mean, he deserves to be on a starting roster. The man is is definitely a starting cornerback in this league. Hate to see him go. Kind of knew it was happening because of all the young talent that we have that's up and coming, especially with Trey Brown uh, looking to come off IR. Uh, not this week. Started to disappoint anybody that was thinking that might happen. But certainly next week, he's looking like he's going to be good. Yeah, and I think he walks into a good situation there with the Raiders. I think there's a good chance he could be starting within a couple weeks of signing with that team. So congratulations for him. I'm glad he landed somewhere we were fans and thought that he should have. So that was some news regarding a former Seahawks player. There's also other news that's happened throughout the NFL. And one of those things, we got a little lead in on Twitter posted by the Washington Commander's verified account. I'm going to go ahead and just read this out real quick in its entirety for those of you that didn't didn't get a chance to read it. Uh, so this was released by the Washington Commanders officially, the the um, the football team. Uh, I think uh, we've already heard references that this was really came out of Dan Snyder's personal PR department. But I'll, I'll read it to you and, and you kind of decide. Uh, so it starts with, less than three months ago, a 23-year-old player on our team was shot multiple times in broad daylight. Despite the out-of-control violent crime in D.C. today... The Washington Commanders learned for the first time on Twitter that the D.C. Attorney General will be holding a press conference to make a major announcement. My, I just did the quotes with my fingers there. Major announcement uh, related to the organization tomorrow. The Commanders have fully cooperated with the AG's investigation for nearly a year. As recently as Monday, a lawyer for the team met with AG who did not suggest at that time that he intended to take any action and in fact revealed fundamental misunderstandings of the underlying facts. So I, I, just a quick aside here, what they're saying there is that from from their meeting with him, they don't think he understands what was really going on. 
we'll, we'll, we'll see. It is unfortunate that in his final days in office, Mr. Racine appears more interested in making splashy headlines based on offbeat legal theories rather than doing the hard work of making the streets safe for our citizens, including bringing to justice the people who shot one of our players. There's there's a lot to unpack there. I'll, I'll say this. My, my, what I gathered from that is that uh, the Washington commanders are upset that that the D.C. AG would deign to investigate them for supposed crimes as opposed to all the other crimes that are happening in the D.C. area, uh, because uh, that's certainly how these things should be weighed. That's sarcasm for those that couldn't read it, but those are my two cents. The news that came out broke today in a press conference. We're recording this on Thursday. Unfortunately, this is another weekend I have to travel, so we have to record this a day early than we normally do. The news broke today. The District of Columbia Attorney General, Carl Racine, announced that there will be a lawsuit against the Washington Commanders, the Washington Commanders owner, Dan Snyder, the National Football League, and National Football League Commissioner, Roger Goodell. All separate individuals named in this lawsuit. The lawsuit alleges that those individuals colluded to deceive District of Columbia residents about an NFL investigation into toxic workplace culture at the team and about the allegations of sexual assault. Now, we know that there was an investigation that was done, and this investigation led the NFL to actually fine the organization $10 million in response to their findings to this investigation. Not a small chunk of change. Not a small chunk of change. Exactly. The sexual assault allegations were from... 15 current and former commander's employees and two reporters, if I have my numbers correct. Also, not a small amount of individuals alleging abuse. This was sexual misconduct allegations. There was also verbal abuse to individuals, creating a toxic workplace environment. There were a couple quotes that stood out to me. And here's one of them. This is regarding... The commanders, and it is from D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine. For years, the team and its owner have caused very real and very serious harm and then lied about it to dodge accountability and to continue to rake in profits. So far, they seem to have gotten away with it, but that stops today. That's some very strong language directly pointed at the team and Dan Snyder. I have been public about my opinion on Dan Snyder. I feel that he is a clown undeserved of national attention. I think he needs to go live on his yacht somewhere in the middle of the ocean, preferably in hurricane land. (laughs) And I hope to never, ever hear his name again. He is not an individual who I want to give attention to, even though I'm forced to when things like this come up. Not a fan. Yeah, I hear Florida's nice this time of year. Uh, maybe check that out, Dan. Uh, look, there's been plenty of, if you want to call them rumors, allegations regarding the misconduct around the team that Dan Schneider has owned. Uh, you know, not to mention the uh, or his his clear uh, resistance to ch- go, move on from a a, a toxically bigoted uh, title that the, the team carried for for several decades. Um, I, I, I think most people agree that, that Dan Snyder's a, a trash human being. I've not, I haven't seen or heard anything about him that leads me to believe otherwise. I don't expect him to be a member of the, uh, to be within the NFL organization 
12 months from now. I don't think anybody does. Uh, certainly, the, the, there's been a, several owners that have been vocal about wanting him out, uh, not the least of which is Jim Ursay, who is dealing with his own issues uh, right now, not just with the team, but other things. Uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, Dan Schneider, maybe move on. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see it. Uh, if we wouldn't have to, if I, if I didn't have to mention his name again uh, for the rest of my life, I'd be very happy. Yeah, and that news that Adam mentioned with the Colts is they fired their head coach. They ended up hiring their former longtime center team, Hall of Honor. I don't know what their name is over there in Indianapolis, but definitely a key figure of their organization. Jeff Saturday as their head coach for the remainder of the season. And then they'll go into a search. We'll see what happens. His coaching experience is as a high school coach, but I think what he walks into is a staff that will support him through the season. And he's somebody who understands his role as an interim person. He's somebody who's beloved in that organization and has the respect of Jim Ursay. He can deal with that. Getting back to the Washington Commanders, there has been rumors about the team being up for sale. Dan Snyder actually went and hired Bank of America Securities to review offers for the team and to deal with the SEC-type implications of selling the team and handling those negotiations. So there's at least exploratory committees looking at this. I think it needs to happen. The other owners in the NFL think it needs to happen. The NFL really needs to push this to happen. But the problem is, now they're being investigated, and I guarantee this will not lower the price of the Washington Commanders. (laughs) This is a team marred in scandal. One of the old storied franchises of the NFL now is one of the franchise's reputation in the dirt. But they're still going to sell for a record-breaking amount, and it sickens me because that means Dan Snyder is going to walk away with a return on investment that's unprecedented, and I hate to see that man do well. Yeah, look, no matter what the outcome of this is, not all parties are going to be happy. Um, I think Dan Snyder won't be happy about having to sell the team, but hopefully that uh, pile of money he'll get to sleep on will will help. The NFL definitely holds some responsibility and some culpability for what's going on with the Washington Commanders. And they're going to come out of this relatively unscathed just because of the news cycle. And frankly, people just don't care. One more quote that stood out to me from the press conference with D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine directly targets the NFL. And that is, for far too long, the NFL has actively concealed wrongdoing by the Washington Commanders and has shielded Mr. Snyder from accountability at every turn. The NFL must understand that sexual harassment and abuse cannot be tolerated or concealed. If Commissioner Goodell and the NFL are genuinely committed to protecting their employees, they would also publicly release the findings of the Wilkinson investigation and use those findings as a blueprint for creating safer workplaces throughout the NFL. Once again, very strong language, very pointed language. The NFL needs to heed that advice, release those findings, let the commanders and the entire NFL benefit from this while being transparent with the public. A lot of people don't realize the NFL is a not-for-profit company. The individual teams are for-profit. And the NFL likes to hide and not take responsibility. So I agree with Carl Racine. I think the NFL needs to be transparent in this issue. Those quotes were taken from a CNN article that was authored by Jessica Schneider, Rob Lev, 
Eric Levinson and David Close. Go check it out. They do a great job. We'll be uh, tweeting out a link to you guys also on our podcast uh, Twitter page, so you can check that out. Uh, I've or we have already and will again uh, tweet out the uh, the next article that I'm going to mention because I do want to move on to some slightly happier news and slightly more uh, Seahawks focused news. But we we do here at this podcast applaud the Attorney General uh, for calling out the NFL for calling out Dan Schneider on this. And even though we don't, I don't know that we're holding our breath for it or expecting it. Uh, hopefully, some accountability uh, will be forthcoming concerning all parties, uh, but we'll see. Before I move on to, to one other item of news, because we do we do have a lot to get to today, uh, I do want to just real quick touch back on Jeff Saturday. His uh, his uh, hiring has been compared a little bit to Norm Van Brocklin. For those of you that don't know, Norm Van Brocklin, longtime quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, after he retired, he became a consultant for the Eagles and believed that he would be the next head coach. That never ended up happening. <laughs> he ended up signing for the head coach as the head coach of the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, and was a very long. Uh, and storied uh, had a long and storied career as the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. So it's not like these things never work out. Uh, there's, you know, Jeff Saturday and the Colts have been a little bit lambasted uh, by by the media for this for this move. Look, uh, you know, this is kind of a lost season for the Colts. I think they're making this move uh, to to kind of like you know circle the wagons, as it were. Jeff Saturday has been a longtime consultant for the team since his retirement. Uh, so who knows? This could work out really well. Um, I mentioned very briefly at the top of this this podcast that we still have a lot of doubters around the media when it comes to the Seattle Seahawks. We do it's definitely turned turned a little bit. We do have a lot of people picking the Seahawks to cover uh, their their uh, the spread here, which I believe is is three points. And uh, but even though I've seen a lot of people predicting the Seahawks to cover, they still think the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be pulling out a tight win in Germany. One person who doesn't think that. Uh, is a guy that we've mentioned a couple of times on on, on this podcast. Uh, former Seahawks, so former Seattle resident, uh, longtime sports radio host Colin Cowherd. Um, who did you did you say Coward or Cowherd? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, this this is a guy who look if anybody I, I I used to listen to Colin Cowherd all the time, especially when uh, he was at ESPN uh, and uh, when he you know. Uh, was singing the praises of Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll uh, for the last decade. Uh, that all seemed to change big time when uh, there seemed to be some contention between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson within the organization uh, leading up to the trade uh, of Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos, a trade that Colin Coward has been very vocal about which side he takes in this. Uh, he certainly thinks that, uh, or he has up to this point, certainly been very vocal about saying that Jody Allen uh, chose the wrong guy. She should have stuck with her quarterback, moved on from her, her head coach and GM, uh, and given Russell Wilson the keys to the kingdom. Um, I think anyone who's watched the NFL uh, this season uh, knows how wrong he was with that opinion. It seems now that he also is in recognition of how wrong he was in that opinion. Uh, he has recently released his uh, mid, uh, mid-season mid NFL awards. Uh, and uh, there were several Seahawks on there, but the two of notes are his picks for coach of the year and comeback player of the year. His pick for coach of the year, if you didn't guess already, was Pete Carroll. He went on to say that Pete Carroll has uh, subverted all expectations from everybody. And he, he made it very clear that he, he thinks that everybody shared his opinion uh, around the world that the Seahawks picked the wrong guy betting on Pete Carroll, uh, something that certainly is not true, but something that Colin Coward seems to still think. And his comeback player of the year was Geno Smith, a guy that he now admits is playing uh, at an MVP level uh, and certainly playing better than Russell Wilson. (laughs) 
there, there's a lot more I can say about this. We do have a lot to get to with the game, but I just did want to point that out for those of you that uh, are still doubting the Seahawks. We are getting, uh, it does seem that we're, we're getting some converts. And I think after we win in Germany, which uh, I expect us to get a lot more converts. Yeah, I believe we will as well. In fact, some people are predicting almost like a Seahawks home game in Germany. Right now, news is coming out that the streets are basically flooded with Seahawks fans at night, and it's only Thursday. Let's hope those 12s show up. Well, they, they should, and there's I don't know if anybody's seen the mural, but there is a mural of Geno Smith's face in Munich right now outside of the, the stadium, so check that out as well. There are some transactions to talk about this week. One of those transactions, the only one really that affects the team, is that the team went out and signed running back Godwin Igebueke to the practice squad. He's been on the practice squad before released so that they could kick the tires on somebody else or move some pieces around. He is back with the team. Seattle also petitioned the NFL to be able to activate their International Pathways exemption player. That's edge linebacker type Aaron Donkor, who is from Germany, to be able to elevate him to the active roster for this game in Germany. Great PR move. Yeah, it would have been. It was denied because the NFL is the no fun league. <laughs> I wish they would have looked at this for what it is. The International Pathways program is out there to expand the global reach of the NFL, to allow for more opportunities for players around the world to be able to come into the NFL. I could see them, the smart move anyway, would have been to allow him to be added to the game day roster under the understanding that he would not take the field. You get buy-in from the opposing organization as well. Therefore, he is technically active. It's a good story. The NFL missed the mark again. Yeah, would have would have been a great story. Certainly, I think I, we agree. Giant missed opportunity by the league here. I would have gone a little further, and I think I would have made an exception to add one more roster spot to the active for rosters. Huh? For both, yeah, sure, for both teams. To make it fair, sure, for both teams. But to find some way to get him to be on the field, uh, because I do think that the look at the if the NFL is serious about expansion and continuing to grow their brand in Europe, then the right move would be to have European players play when the when teams visit Europe. So huge missed opportunity. Luckily for us, the Seahawks are not going to take that lying down. Uh, Aaron Donker will dress for the game. He will be the man running out the 12th man flag uh, as the Seahawks take the field in Munich, Germany. <laughs> I, I'm, I guarantee and fully expect there to be a large cheering section uh, when the Seahawks take the field this Sunday. I completely agree. I think it's going to be a, a huge Seahawks crowd. I think they're going to cheer on Aaron Donkor, the native son, coming back with his team. Now, we did have some injuries to report. Since we are recording this day early, we don't have game day designations. But as far as practice goes, we only had one player on the did not practice today for Thursday, and that was linebacker Cullen Giaspia, who we expect to eventually be put on injured reserve and will be done for the season due to that knee injury. We had two players that were limited participation. That was wide receiver Marquise Goodwin and safety Ryan Neal. Hopefully they're resting Ryan Neal up. So he's, he's good to go. Goodwin missed last game. So hopefully limited practice means he's working his way back up and able to play this week. We did have a full participant of note, and that was outside linebacker Daryl Taylor, who had to miss last game with injury. So him being a full participant means maybe he'll be in there on those pass rush situations, and we'll get to see him flying around. But that's it for the Seahawks. 
Yeah, Tampa Bay, a slightly longer list that I'm going to run through super, super quick. Uh, there are a couple of guys I know that I'll take a quick second to, to kind of highlight, but uh, they did have a pretty decent chunk of players that were on the did not participate list. That included wide receiver Russell Gage, who's still working on that hamstring, uh, backup guard Luke Godiek uh, with a foot injury, linebacker J.J. Russell with a hamstring injury, and guard Nick Levert. Uh, another backup guard was uh, unspecified illness. Uh, limited practice participants include Tom Brady, who was more than likely just a uh, veteran rest day, uh, Mike Evans, who's been dealing with a, a, a ankle and rib issue, and their starting guard Shaq Mason, uh, who uh, is also out for undisclosed personal reasons. Uh, I expect all three of those guys to play. Uh, there are three people of note that were full participants uh, that have been out. Uh, that is tight end Cameron Brake, who was their starting tight end at the beginning of the season, has been out for an extended period, but looks like he'll be back for this game. Uh, so that's some, that's a matchup to watch, certainly against the Seahawks, who have struggled a little bit with containing tight ends. Uh, wide receiver Julio Jones uh, is also back to full participation for this week. He was active last week, um, and I'm sure that he'll he'll uh, get some time this week uh, and and their starting safety Antoine Winfield Jr who was in the concussion protocol he has been cleared and he will be suiting up for this game uh, so both teams are coming in at least respectively relatively healthy obviously the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have, have dealt with with injuries leading up to the season and during the season they have a lot of guys on IR uh, but uh, they will be as full uh, a full go as they have been for the season to this week it looks like yeah, I think all of that will play into how the teams match up. Now, we've talked about the respect that the Seahawks have been gaining from the media. Uh, they have not been gaining respect from the sports books, though. <laughs> right now, as we're recording this, DraftKings Sportsbook has the Seahawks as the underdog with a plus 130 as their odds. Wow. Hey, if the sports books are going to keep sleeping on the Seahawks, Seahawks betters are going to keep on raking it in from the sports books. But in order for them to rake it in, the Seahawks have to win. So we have our five keys for success for the game. Number one, they need to fix the missed tackles. Let's get back to fundamentals, guys. Wrap up, bring guys to the ground, help your teammates out, fix this tackling problem. Yeah, look, I think you know this. I think all of us kind of not assumed, but we had seen the last, at least the last uh, or three weeks leading up to the Cardinals game, the issues that plagued us at the beginning of the season and during the preseason. Uh, those those missed tackles seem to have evaporated. It seems like the team had had tightened up, uh, had been coached up, and that, that those issues were fixed. Uh, but they definitely reared their heads uh, during the win against the Cardinals. Uh, we still pulled out the win, uh, but we can't allow those same kind of uh, fundamental mistakes to happen against a, in my opinion, much more stacked roster uh, in Tampa Bay. Yeah, another thing we have to do, our second key to success, is we need to put pressure on Tom Brady. He's a player who's driven by ego. He's a player who doesn't like to get dirty. So we need to get hits on him. We need to get pressures on him. We need to make him work out there in the pocket. As long as Tom Brady's been a star in the NFL, it's been said that he doesn't like to get hit. Uh, he gets flustered uh, when he's under pressure for the entirety of a game. Uh, I will say this, as much as I want to want to see our guys hit and get after Tom Brady every single down on, on defense, we need to be careful because those flags have been flying, uh, especially when it comes to, to touching Tom Brady in the backfield, uh, which actually I think leads us into our next key to success, and that is avoid penalties especially on defense but also on offense but we need to avoid penalties this is not a team that we can give that kind of an advantage to if we're going to be constantly shooting ourselves in the foot giving them free downs or taking away downs on offense uh for when we're out there uh we need to play very clean football uh to come away with a win here you can't extend drives and you can't give them second chances 
Our fourth key to success is we have to establish the running game. It's been clicking for us. Kenneth Walker's been leading the charge. We have to establish that running game. Yeah, the man the man has been a beast. Kenneth Walker, uh, like we've already discussed, that he is in that talk for Rookie of the Year, uh, certainly Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, I, I do want to add just a little addendum to what you said. Not, not only do I want to see us establish the run, but we need to stick to it. We can't abandon the run late in the game. Uh, we've done that a couple of times early in the season. Going away from the run has not worked out for us very well. We need to make sure that we are continuing to run the ball into that fourth quarter, whether we are in the hole or have a big lead. Yes, our fifth key to success is we have to continue spreading the ball around to all of our offensive weapons. Yeah, Geno Smith had a little, I think, what, 37 passes last week against the Cardinals, and that it was really spread around. We got everybody involved in that passing game. And, you know, the highlights were still DK and Tyler Lockett on the outside. Uh, Noah Fant also had a really big game for us. But we were getting our running backs involved. We, we got, you know, uh, Kenneth Walker involved in the passing game, which is nice to see because he's going to need that. Uh, going forward. Uh, but yeah, we need to spread that love. We need to continue to to take advantage of those weapons that we have on offense in order to, to t- get long drives, give our defense the rest that they need. All right, now we're going to move on to our position matchups. We're going to start off with quarterback. As well as Geno's playing and the name of Tom Brady, I got to give this one a push. Yeah, I, I think we talked a little bit about this. I agree with you almost agree with you. Uh, I initially picked Tom Brady as well, but I think if you took the name recognition away, if you just looked at the player stats this season, the clear winner is Geno Smith, and I expect him to have a better game than Tom in this. So my pick is Geno. In the running back category, I think with the way that Kenneth Walker's playing and with the skill of our number two and number three guys, Homer and Dallas, I'm going to give this to the Seahawks. Yeah, absolutely. Seahawks definitely take the cake at running back. Look, uh, Leonard Fournette's been struggling. He has not been the same guy he was last year or even earlier this season. Uh, We have shown nothing but momentum in the running game. I fully expect that to continue in Munich. Seahawks definitely take that position. As far as wide receivers go, I'm going to give this one to the Buccaneers. More so if Mike Evans plays and is 100%, he's currently questionable. Just with the talent they have. Buccaneers. Yeah, look, I think we've got a great group of guys, but we we have a lot of inexperienced wide receivers. Uh, I, I I do expect them to to get involved and play well. I think if if Marquise Goodwin can suit up, uh, that's going to be a big boon for us. That's definitely going to help out. Um, I, I don't like betting against Tyler and DK, but uh, look, Godwin and uh, and Mike Evans and even Julio Jones. Uh, these are big names, guys that have been doing it really well for a really long time. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receivers a slight edge over our guys. For the tight end core, I've got to give our whole core the credit and go with the Seahawks over Cameron Brait, the number one for the Buccaneers. Yeah, look, I, look, I, I agree there. I definitely gave this matchup to the, the, the Seahawks as well. Kate Otten, their backup tight end, has been playing pretty well these last couple of weeks in, in reserve uh, behind uh, the injured uh, Cameron Brait. Cameron Brait's had some moments flashed, but he's never been a good or to, to great tight end. Uh, and this season, I think we've seen very good to great tight ends on the Seahawks side of the ball. As far as the offensive line goes, I like what they have in Tampa Bay. Going player per player, I'm giving the offensive line matchup to Tampa Bay. Wow. See, I, with their injuries and everything else going on, I'm giving a slight edge to the Seahawks. If we were dividing this between interior and exterior offensive line, I might go with you and say that Tampa Bay has the better interior offensive line. They've certainly got some better guys at guard but our offensive tackles continue to play uh well above their uh, their number of years in the league but even their draft position uh i'm going to give a slight edge to the seahawks on offensive line i definitely think that we as long as we are uh mixing up and, and taking those runs to the outside we can take advantage 
As far as the defensive line goes, I like the three guys that are down linemen for the Buccaneers. I think they're all really good run defenders. I got to go with the Bucs with defensive line. Yeah, I agree. Look, I, I think the Seahawks have been playing really, really well. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to give a slight edge, uh, even with how well the Seahawks have been playing, to Tampa Bay's defensive line. In the linebacking core, I'm also giving the edge to the Buccaneers. They have a lot of speed and a lot of experience in their linebacking core, and that's tough to go against. I got to give to the Buccaneers. Yeah, not only their pass rushers, but, but their interior uh, guys have been playing really, really well. They're great players. I love our Seahawks players, but I do give the edge also to Tampa Bay. As far as defensive backs go, they have experience, but I love what our defensive backs are doing. I have to go with the young, inexperienced players that are killing it on the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, not only do they have some named guys in the back end there, but they do have some young, really talented guys as well. Um, I'm giving a slight edge to Tampa Bay here, though I don't, I, I don't feel good about it, but I'm going to give a slight edge to Tampa Bay. As far as special teams goes, I love our special teams unit. I'm going with the Seahawks. I, I, Michael Dixon's still our punter. Uh, Jason Myers has still been pretty much 100% on, on his kicks. Uh, yeah, definitely giving that to our Seattle Seahawks. I'm also giving our staff matchup to the Seahawks. Pete Carroll, I expect him to win Coach of the Year. Yeah, Pete Carroll should, should definitely be winning Coach of the Year. I don't know if it's going to happen because, again, there's some coaches over on that East Coast that have been getting some name recognition, too. I, I do I do give the edge to us. Even with Mr. Bruce Arians out there stalking the sidelines in Tampa Bay, uh, I give the edge to our coaching staff. Now, Adam, what's your prediction for this game? The, these are two teams that I think have been uh, going in different directions. Certainly Tampa Bay is not the Tampa Bay that they've been the last two years, but this is an offense that will at some point break out, and I think this could be the week they do it. Uh, I fully expect this to be a shootout, uh, which I think is going to be a real fun game to watch. Uh, I do think this gives Geno an opportunity that he hasn't had yet this season because he hasn't really had to go and and, and win a shootout. Uh, I fully expect him to not only go out and play great, but I do expect him to have the ball last and to win this game for the Seahawks. I'm going to go Seahawks 38 Bucks 31. I went a little bit lower on my score. I think there'll still be quite a bit of scoring in this game, but I went with Seahawks 27, Buccaneers 20. Well, and that has been the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast, our week 10 game preview against the Buccaneers. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. As always, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.